0: Welcome, everyone, to 1001 Stories for the Road. I hope you've all been enjoying Jack London January and that you're getting the new year off to a great start. Thank you very much for all your kind reviews, too. I appreciate your taking the time to send them. Not too long ago, one of our great fans, and Doc, you know who you are, suggested I check out some Zane Gray fishing stories. We had great success with one of Zane Gray's baseball stories last year. So I promised Doc I would give Zane Gray another shot, this time with one of his great fishing stories. For your knowledge, Zane Gray was once the most popular writer in America, at least among the general reading public. In his lifetime, he turned out more than 60 novels and sold 13 million copies of them. Gray came out of his dental office in Zanesville, Ohio, quills a-blazing, and in 1912 single-handedly invented the Western adventure genre. Still in print 90 years later, more than one million volumes of his works are sold each year in airports, convenience stores, newsstands, and supermarkets. Like Jack London, Zane Gray lived the life he wrote about when it came to the West, baseball, and his greatest love, fishing. He practiced angling in every form and variety on ocean, stream, and pond. He could cast artificial flies and live baits with equal skill and enthusiasm over all the world. It is said he spent more than 300 days each year fishing, mostly in the Santa Catalina Channel on his 52-foot cruiser, Gladiator. No one that I've ever read captures the essence of sport fishing better than Zane Grey, and we'll be doing more stories in the weeks and months to come right here. Today's story is about the bonefish, but you don't have to have fished Florida or the Gulf Stream or for bonefish to capture the fun and excitement in the way that Zane Grain writes. And if you've never fished before, this might be a great story to get you started. Not many of us have had the opportunity to go fishing for bonefish, which, pound for pound, are some of the fightinest fish in the world. And great sport. I've always been a bluefish fan for that which is the best fighter pound for pound, but after this story I'm keeping an open mind. I'll let the master introduce you to the bonefish and maybe you'll decide to put bonefishing on your bucket list and now bonefish by zane gray in my experience as a fisherman the greatest pleasure has been the certainty of something new to learn to feel to anticipate to thrill over an old proverb tells us that if you wish to bring back the wealth of the indias you must go out with its equivalent surely the longer a man fishes the wealthier he becomes in experience in reminiscence in love of nature, if he goes out with the harvest of a quiet eye, free from the plague of himself. As a boy, fishing was a passion with me, but no more for the conquest of golden sunfish and speckled chubs and horny catfish than for the haunting sound of the waterfall and the color and loneliness of the cliffs. As a man and a writer who is forever learning, fishing is still a passion, stronger with all the years but tempered by an understanding of the nature of the primitive man, hidden in all of us, and by a keen reluctance to deal pain to any creature. The sea and the river and the mountain have almost taught me not to kill, except for the urgent needs of life, and the time will come when I shall have grown up to that. When I read a naturalist or a biologist, I am always ashamed of what I have called sport. Yet one of the truths of evolution is that not to practice strife, Not to use violence, not to fish or hunt, that is to say, not to fight, is to retrograde as a natural man. Spiritual and intellectual growth is attained at the expense of the physical. Always then, when I am fishing, I feel that the fish are incidental, and that the reward of effort and endurance, the incalculable and intangible knowledge, emanate from the swelling and infinite sea, or from the shaded and murmuring stream, Thus I assuage my conscience and justify the fun, the joy, the excitement, and the violence. Five years ago I had never heard of a bonefish. The first man who ever spoke to me about this species said to me, very quietly, with serious intentness, Have you had any experience with bonefish? I said no, and asked him what kind that was. His reply was enigmatical. Well, don't go after bonefish unless you can give up all other fishing. I remember I laughed, but I never forgot that remark, and now it comes back to me clear in its significance. That fisherman read me as well as I misunderstood him. Later that season, I listened to talk of inexperienced bone fishermen telling what they'd done and heard. To me, it was absurd. So much fishing talk seems ridiculous anyway. And the expert fisherman wherever they were, received the expressive titles, Bonefish Bugs and Bonefish Nuts. Again, I heard arguments about tackle rigged for these mysterious fish, and these arguments fixed my vague impression. By and by, some fishermen came to Long Key, and the first sight of a bonefish made me curious. I think it weighed five pounds, a fair-sized specimen. Even to my prejudiced eye, that fish showed class. So I began to question the bone fisherman. At once I found this type of angler to be remarkably reticent as to experience and method. Moreover, the tackle used was amazing to me. Stiff rods and heavy lines for a little fish. I gathered another impression, and it was that bonefish were related to dynamite and chain lightning. Everybody who had listened to my questions had different things to say. No two men agreed on tackle or bait or ground or anything. I enlisted the interest of my brother, R.C., And we decided, just to satisfy curiosity, to go out and catch some bonefish. I can see now the complacent, smug conceit of fishermen. I can see now how funny ours was. Fortunately, it is now past tense. If I'm ever conceited again, I hope no one will read my stories. My brother and I could not bring ourselves to try for bonefish with heavy tackle. It was preposterous. Three, four, five-pound fish. We had seen no larger. Bass tackle was certainly heavy enough for us. So in the innocence of our hearts and the assurance of our vanity, we sallied forth to catch bonefish. That was four years ago. Did we have good luck? No. Luck has nothing to do with bonefishing. What happened? For one solid month each winter of those four years, we had devoted ourselves to bonefishing with light tackle. And we struck to our colors. The space of this whole volume would not be half enough to tell our experience. The amazement, the difficulty, the perseverance, the defeat, the wonder, and at last the achievement. The season of 1918 we hooked about fifty bone fish on three six tackles, that is, three ounce tips and six thread lines, and we landed fourteen of them. I caught nine and R.C. caught five. R.C.'s eight pound fish justified our contention and crowned our efforts. To date, in all my experience, I consider this bonefish achievement the most thrilling, fascinating, difficult and instructive. That's a broad statement and I hope I can prove it. I am prepared to state that I feel almost certain if I spent another month bonefishing I would become obsessed and perhaps lose my enthusiasm for other kinds of fish. Why? There's a multiplicity of reasons. My reasons range from the exceedingly graceful beauty of a bonefish to the fact that he is the best food fish I ever ate. That's a wide range. He is the wisest, shyest, wariest, strangest fish I've ever studied. And I'm not accepting the great Xiphius gladius, the broad-billed swordfish. As for the speed of a bonefish, I claim no salmon, no barracuda, no other fish celebrated for swiftness of motion, is even in his class. A bonefish is so incredibly fast that it was a long time before I could believe the evidence of my own eyes. You see him. He is there perfectly still in the clear, shallow water, a creature of fish shape, pale green and silver, but crystal-like, a phantom shape, staring at you with strange black eyes. Then he's gone, vanished, absolutely without your seeing a movement, even a faint streak. By peering keenly, you may discern a little swirl in the water. As for the strength of a bonefish, I actually hesitate to give my impressions. no one will ever believe how powerful a bonefish is until he has tried to stop the rush and heard his line snap. As for his cunning, it's absolutely baffling. As for his biting, it's almost imperceptible. As for his tactics, they are beyond conjecture. First experience on a bonefish shoal. This wide area of coral mud was dry at low tide. When we arrived, the tide was rising. Water scarcely a foot deep, very clear. Bottom, white, with patches of brown grass. We saw bonefish everywhere and expected great sport. But no matter where we stopped, we could not get any bites. Schools of bonefish swam up to the boat, only to dart away. "'Everywhere we saw thin white tails sticking out "'as they swam along, feeding with noses in the mud. "'When we drew in our baits, we invariably found them half gone, "'and it was our assumption that the blue crabs did this. "'At sunset the wind quieted. "'It grew very still and beautiful. "'The water was rosy. "'Here and there we saw swirls and tails standing out, "'and we heard heavy thumps of plunging fish. "'But we could not get any bites.' When we returned to camp, we were told that the half of our soldier crab baits had been sucked off by bonefish. We didn't believe it. Tide bothered us again this morning. It seems exceedingly difficult to tell one night before what the tide is going to do the next morning. At 10 o'clock, we walked to the same place we were yesterday. It was a bright, warm day, with just enough breeze to ruffle the water and make fishing pleasant. And we certainly expected to have good luck but we fished for about three hours without any sign of a fish. This was discouraging, and we could not account for it. So we moved. About a half a mile down the beach, I thought I caught a glimpse of a bonefish. It was a likely-looking contrast to the white marl all around. Here I made a long cast and sat down to wait. My brother lagged behind. Presently I spied two bonefish nosing along not ten feet from the shore. They saw me so I made no attempt to drag the bait near them, but I called to my brother and told him to try to get a bait ahead of them. This was a little after the flood tide. It struck me then that these singular fish feed up the beach with one tide and down the beach with another. Just when my brother reached me, I got a nibble. I called to him and then stood up, ready to strike. I caught a glimpse of the fish. He looked big and dark. He had his nose down, fooling with my bait. When I struck him, he felt heavy. I put on the click of the reel, and when the bonefish started off, he pulled the rod down hard, taking the line fast. He made one swirl on the surface, and then started up shore. He seemed exceedingly swift. I ran along the beach, until presently the line slackened, and I felt that the hook had torn out. This was disappointment. Disappointment. I couldn't figure out what I'd done wrong, but I decided in the future to use a smaller and sharper hook. We went on down the beach, seeing several bonefish on the way, and finally we ran into a big school of them. They were right along shore, but when they saw us, we couldn't induce them to bite, not one. Every day we were learning something. It is necessary to keep out of sight of these fish. After they bite, Everything depends upon the skillful hooking of the fish. Probably it will require a good deal of skill to land them after you've hooked them, but we've had little experience at that so far. When these fish are along the shore, they are certainly feeding, and presumably they are feeding on crabs of some sort. Bonefish appear to be game-worthy of any fisherman's best efforts. It was a still, hot day, without any clouds we went up to the beach to a point opposite an old construction camp. Today, when we expected the tide to be doing one thing, it was doing another. Ebb and flow and flood tide have become as difficult as as Sanskrit synonyms for me. My brother took an easy and comfortable chair and sat up the beach, and I, like an ambitious fisherman, laboriously and adventurously waded out 150 feet to an old platform that had been erected there. I climbed upon this "'and found it a very precarious place to sit. "'Come to think about it, "'there's something very remarkable "'about the places a fisherman will pick out to sit down on. "'This place was a two-by-four plank full of nails, "'and I cheerfully availed myself of it, "'and casting my bait out as far as I could, "'I calmly sat down to wait for a bonefish. "'It has become a settled conviction in my mind "'that you have to wait for bonefish. "'But all at once I got a hard bite.' It quite excited me. I jerked and pulled the bait away from the fish, and he followed it and took it again. I saw this fish and several others in the white patch of ground where there were not any weeds. But in my excitement, I did not have out a long enough line, and when I jerked, the fish turned over and got away. This was all right, but the next two hours sitting in the sun on that seat with a nail sticking into me were not altogether pleasurable. When I thought I endured it as long as I could, I saw a flock of seven bonefish swimming past me, and one of them was a whopper. The sight revived me. I hardly breathed while that bunch of fish swam right for my bait, and for all I could see they didn't know it was there. I waited another long time. The sun was hot. There was no breeze. The heat was reflected from the water. I could have stood this all well enough. "'but I couldn't stand the nails. "'So I climbed down off my perch, "'having forgotten that all this time the tide had been rising. "'And as I could not climb back, "'I had to get wet to the infinite amusement of my brother. "'After that, I fished from the shore. "'Presently, my brother shouted, "'and I looked up to see him pulling on a fish. "'There was a big splash in the water, "'and then I saw his line running out. "'The fish was headed straight for the framework "'on which I'd been seated.' and I knew that if he ever did get there, he would break the line. All of a sudden I saw the fish he had hooked, and he reached the framework all right. I had one more strike this day, but I did not hook the fish. It seems this bone fishing takes infinite patience. For all we can tell, these fish come swimming along with the rising tide, close into shore, and they're exceedingly shy and wary. My brother now has caught two small bonefish, and each of them give a good strong bite. "'at once starting off with the bait. "'We had been under the impression "'that it was almost impossible to feel the bonefish bite. "'It will take work to learn this game. "'Yesterday we went up on the north side of the island "'to the place near the mangroves "'where we had seen some bonefish. "'Arriving there, we found the tide almost flood, "'with the water perfectly smooth and very clear "'and about a foot deep at the mangrove roots. "'Here and there at a little distance, "'we could see splashes.' We separated, and I took the outside while R.C. took the inside close to the mangroves. We waited along. Before I had time to make a cast, I saw a three-pound bonefish come sneaking along, and when he saw me, he darted away like an arrow. I made a long cast and composed myself to wait. Presently a yell from R.C. electrified me with the hope that he had hooked a fish. But it turned out that he'd only seen one. He moved forward very cautiously in the water and presently made a cast. He then said that a big bonefish was right near his hook and during the next few minutes this fish circled his bait twice crossing his line. Then he counted out loud one, two, three, four, five bonefish right in front of him one of which was a whopper. I stood myself up and saw one over to my right, of about five pounds, sneaking along with his nose to the bottom. When I made a cast over in his direction, he disappeared, as suddenly as if he had dissolved in the water. Looking out to my left, I saw half a dozen bonefish swimming toward me, and they came quite close. When I moved, they vanished. Then I made a cast over in this direction. The bonefish came back, "'and swam all around my bait, "'apparently not noticing it. "'They were on the feed, "'and the reason they did not take our bait "'must have been that they saw us. "'We fished there an hour "'without having a sign of a bite, "'and then we gave it up. "'Today about flood tide "'I had a little strike. "'I jerked hard, but failed to see the fish, "'and then when I reeled in, "'I found he still had hold of it. "'Then I struck him, and in one little jerk, He broke the leader. I just had a talk with a fellow who claims to know a good deal about bone fishing. He said he'd caught a good many ranging up to eight pounds. His claim was that soldier crabs were the best bait. He said he'd fished with professional boatmen who knew the game thoroughly. They would pole the skiff along shore and keep a sharp lookout for what he called bonefish mud. And I assumed that he meant muddy places in the water that had been stirred up by bonefish. Of course, any place where these little swirls could be seen was very likely to be a bonefish bank. He claimed that it was necessary to hold the line near the reel between the forefingers and to feel for the very slightest vibration. Bonefish have a sucker-like mouth. They draw the bait in and smash it. Sometimes, of course, they move away, drawing out the line. But that kind of a bite is exceptional. "'It is imperative to strike the fish when this vibration is felt. "'Not one in five bonefish is ever hooked. "'We've had two northers, and the water grew so cold that it drove the fish out. "'The last two or three days have been warm, and today it was hot. "'However, I did not expect the bonefish in yet, "'and when we went in bathing at flood tide, I was very glad to see two fish. "'I hurried out got my rod and began to try.' PRESENTLY I HAD A LITTLE STRIKE I WAITED AND IT WAS REPEATED THEN I JERKED AND FELT THE FISH HE MADE A WAVE AND that WAS THE LAST I KNEW OF HIM REELING IN I LOOKED AT MY BAIT TO FIND THAT IT HAD BEEN PRETTY BADLY CHEWED BUT I FASTENED IT ON AGAIN AND MADE ANOTHER CAST I SET DOWN THE ROD THEN I WENT BACK AFTER THE BUCKET FOR THE REST OF THE BAIT UPON MY RETURN I SAW THE LINE JERKING AND I RAN TO THE ROD I saw a little splash and a big white tail of a bonefish stick out of the water. I put my thumb on the reel and jerked hard. Instantly I felt the fish, heavy and powerful. He made a surge and then ran straight out. The line burned my thumb so I couldn't hold it. I put on the click drag and the fish made a swifter, harder run for at least a hundred yards and he tore the hook out. This makes a number of fish that have gotten away from me in this manner. It is exasperating and difficult to explain. I have to use a pretty heavy sinker in order to cast the bait out. I have arranged this sinker, which has a hole through it, so that the line will run freely. This seems to work all right on the bite, but I'm afraid it does not work after the fish is hooked. That sinker drags on the bottom. This is the best rigging that I can plan at the present stage of the game. I have an idea now that a bonefish should be hooked hard and then carefully handled. I fished off the beach a while in front of the cabin. We used both kinds of crabs, soldier and hermit. I fished two hours and a half from the late rising tide to the first of the ebb without a sign or sight of a fish. R.C. finally got tired and set his rod and went in bathing. Then it happened. I heard his reel singing and saw his rod nodding, then I made a dash for it. The fish was running straight out, heavy and fast, and he broke the line. This may have been caused by the heavy sinker catching in the weeds. We must do more planning to get a suitable rig for these bonefish. Day before yesterday, R.C. and I went up to the long key point and rode in on the mangrove shoal where once before I saw so many bonefish. The tide was about one quarter in, and there was a foot of water all over the flats. We anchored at the outer edge and began to fish. We had made elaborate preparations in the way of tackle, bait, canoe, etc., and it really would have been remarkable if we had had any luck. After a little while, I distinctly felt something at my hook, and upon jerking, I had one splendid surge out of a good, heavy bonefish that was all that happened in that place it was near flood tide when we went back i stood up and kept a keen watch for little muddy places in the water also bonefish at last i saw several fish and there we anchored i fished on one side of the boat and rc on the other on two different occasions feeling a nibble on his line he jerked all to no avail The third time he yelled as he struck and I turned in time to see the white thresh of a bonefish. He made a quick dash off to the side and then came in close to the boat, swimming around with short runs two or three times and then, apparently tired, he came close. I made ready to lift him into the boat when, lo and behold, he made a wonderful run of fully 300 feet before R.C. could stop him. Finally he was led to the boat and turned out to be a fish of three and a half pounds. It simply made R.C. and me gasp to think of what a really large bonefish might be able to do. There is something irresistible about the pursuit of these fish, and perhaps this is it. We changed places, and as a last try anchored in deeper water, fishing as before. This time I had a distinct tug at my line, and I hooked a fish. He wiggled and jerked, and threshed around, so that I told R.C. that it was not a bonefish, but R.C. contended it was. Anyway, he came toward the boat rather easily, until we saw him, and he saw us, and then he made a dash similar to that of R.C.'s fish, and he tore out the hook. This was the extent of our adventure that day, and we were very much pleased. Stay tuned for part two of Zane Gray's Bonefish, and the conclusion, coming next week. Thank you for joining us at 1001 Stories for the Road. Hope you're enjoying this fishing trip. And we always enjoy reviews, so if you can take a moment, 1001 Stories for the Road. Thanks, and we'll be back soon.